Hi, it's Alex here. I am very excited to announce our first keynote speaker for this year's Future of Film Summit. It's the indomitable Jason Blum. A few things about Jason. He is producer of over 75 films, including titles like Get Out, Black Klansman, and my personal favourite, Whiplash. And he is also responsible for what is recognised as one of the most profitable films of all time, Paranormal Activity, which, according to IMDb, costs just $15,000 to make and has grossed over $193 million at the box office. And boy, that doesn't even include all of those DVD sales, right? And with Blumhouse Productions, Jason has truly innovated the film production business model, pioneering a ruthlessly low-budget approach to filmmaking that has yielded not just commercial success, but greater artistic freedom for storytellers. And in the process, developed this global super brand in the horror genre. Jason will be joining to discuss his work, the Blumhouse model, and his vision for the future of film. And I hope you two can join on November the 18th. Until the end of October, tickets for the three days are still available for less than £50. And if due to COVID that price is beyond your means at this stage, please just email me and we can help because... I really don't want you to be missing out on this opportunity uh, because of that. So there you go. That's Jason Blum at the Future of Film Summit, the 18th of November. Tickets available now at futureoffilm.live. That's futureoffilm.live. Hello and welcome to season four of the Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. In this episode, we truly journey to new horizons in storytelling with the legendary John Gator. A relentless innovator in film, John is best known for his defining work on The Matrix and its sequels, including the invention of what became known as Bullet Time, for which he won the Academy Award for Visual Effects. More recently, John co-founded Industrial Light and Magic's virtual reality experimental division ILMX Lab, and he was SVP Creative Strategy at Magic leap. Drawing on all his deep knowledge and understanding about new storytelling technologies, this conversation takes us from the Matrix to the future of filmmaking via XR and artificial intelligence. In what was certainly one of the most fascinating conversations I've had on my show, John explains his vision for where media is heading, why he believes there will still be a space for linear storytelling or sculptural form as he calls it within this new world and how the future of not just media but our civilization rests on a knife edge between creativity and control 
This episode was recorded as part of Rebels of Storytelling, which you can now watch in full at futureoffilm.live. Rebels of Storytelling would not have been possible without the incredible support of Epic Games and Unreal Engine, who are pioneering the transformation of screen storytelling. We are also proud to partner with Creative England's Creative Enterprise Program, which has two programs open for applications right now. Learn to succeed at international film markets with Market Trader, an intensive business development program for talented producers who are looking to take their projects to market across the world. And Female Founders Scale Up, a dedicated and prestigious program for ambitious female founders of screen-based companies that will equip female entrepreneurs with the skills and confidence to scale their business and form a cohort of female business leaders across the regions. You can find out more about all of this at creativeengland.co.uk. If you want to discover more about the future of film, head on over to futureoffilm.live. Here you can check out all four seasons of the podcast, as well as access some of our other free resources like Rebels of Storytelling and the Future of Film Report. So that's all available at futureoffilm.live. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this conversation with innovator, inventor and Academy Award winning designer, John Gator. So John, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thanks very much for taking the time. I want to start to take you back <laughs> to 21 years ago when the the matrix came out just thinking about that at this time how do you uh how does that sort of working on that such formative project sort of fit in with your the story of your career i guess and do you see any parallels in terms of what you're working on now to what you were building when you built the matrix? Well, um, I think that's a good question with regard to my particular journey. Uh, that, that was a long time ago, 21 years. That's uh, hard to actually hear uh, when you say that. Um, we uh, all, I think, uh, do our work and our art, our pursuits in a similar way. I think probably anyone watching uh, this would agree that you pour yourself into everything that you do. You don't think about necessarily um, a particular outcome. You assume everything that you're working towards, you know, is the is the best, and um, and you hope for resonance. You know, you hope that. You find an audience. Um, there's an there's a lot of uh, factors, you know, that go into, you know, a moment where people, you know, um, sort of uh, relate and uh, engage. And so, you know, we we were all lucky that in the occasion of the Matrix, that uh, the audience was ready for a story like that, a world like that messages like that. Um, it was, I would say, you know, being that it was the late nineties, I would, 
I would, you know, say that, you know, we, it was the beginning of the mainstream acceptance of the internet and understanding that our lives were going to become, you know, more and more, you know, intertwined with the, uh, the connectivity and the uh, vastness of uh, what the internet was starting to bring and even careers and all sorts of things. So it was the beginning of that. And it seemed that the general public was starting to comprehend that there was, you know, a vast cyber world of sorts, whatever their terms might've been uh, on the other sides of these screens. And even in that simple way, they were able to make the intellectual leaps that the uh, story inferred. Um, and so it resonated. It was, it was a very well timed um, story. Uh, the characters as well um, represented to some degree, you know, the, the resistance of, um, you know, uh, control and the uh, collapse of freedoms that uh, are um, sort of no longer, you know, they are just as re relevant today as, as they were then, in fact, much more so. So 21 years on, the messages are still, in my opinion, spot on. And if anything, uh, much more uh, important uh, as we've seen things uh, uh, evolve from a science fiction concept closer to uh, to reality as each of these years have ticked by. <clears throat> I, um, I anticipate the next 21 years will squarely put us in a place where uh, we are actively uh, wondering about participating in in uh, taking apart the uh, might be too late by then, but taking apart this the, uh, this the the control that's coming and being wrapped around us now. A little dark, but <laughs> it's true. That's the way I look at it. I'm like, thank you, thank you for the artistic project working on science fiction. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> It's, it's becoming something of a cautionary tale uh, that hopefully will not be a documentary a hundred years from now. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's frightening, but I guess one of the reasons it's resonated so, so strongly is, is, uh, and continues to do so is it just, like you say, those, those themes starting to feel, yeah, more and more relevant. Um, but where does that, how, how do, I mean, maybe maybe it's too too much to sort of say, you know, how we how we can fight back um, from that. It, it does does storytelling and filmmaking offer a way of resistance? Do you think it's absolutely uh, uh, a means of communicating uh, the trials of human existence and uh, not just the trials, but the joys, right? And the, the potential, right? The, uh, the wonder of life, all these things, of course. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an expressive medium and for certain people it inspires and uh, 
it can lead to more things. Uh, a story uh, told uh, in literature or any art form really can be the beginning point for what becomes a chain of events, you know, that uh, ends up manifesting in ways we can't even imagine. I would almost, you know, suggest, I mean, there seems to be a direct correlation between storytelling, science fiction writing, et cetera, and so forth. And this, uh, the actual manifestation of these, uh, of platforms, of, of uh, inventions, of, of ways of life, right? Inspired from, inspired from these stories and from this art. And so I suppose that means that there's a responsibility. We're getting quite deep quite early here, which is good. Yeah. I, li I like it. But it, um, uh, it feels like there's, you know, there's a responsibility then for storytellers to really to think about that. that. Storytellers probably should not ever worry. Well, I guess there's a, one could measure that. I mean, like using your imagination and telling stories of all sorts, right? Should not, there shouldn't be limits on it, obviously, right? We want to see the, the mind, you know, like the universe is something we have to journey as far as we possibly can. And um, I don't feel that there should be any limits. However, there are certain things in, that I feel, uh, you know, could give people bad ideas. <laughs> It's, there is, if you want to use the responsibility word there, you know, one could probably think of a whole number of, you know, films or television shows or games or what have you. And, you know, you sort of, you could, you could cringe and say, gosh, I wish that idea wasn't <laughs> being propagated because maybe someone would act on that. Uh, that part there probably it would be nice if some people thought about uh, what they were putting out there. But aside from uh, dark things, uh, I do think that inspiration, uh, you know, to be acted on is a very good thing. So I, I don't think storytellers should be limited. And I guess you've been working a lot lately on technologies. I, I don't know how you refer to them, but AR, XR, um, technologies which put the the audience, the viewer, in in an immersive world, in a way, in a similar way to to the Matrix, um, you know, uh, uh, but you know, not not necessarily for <laughs> for for with a machine control part of it, but in a in a similar way. Where do you see you know where do you see those technologies? Where are they right now as a storytelling form and where do you think they're heading to? Um, well, yeah, I mean, that is part of the 21 year journey thing. Uh, the, <clears throat> the making of those films, the Matrix films, was interesting because to accomplish the way we approached some of the visual grammar uh, effects uh, was to, not for all scenes, but for certain scenes, was to try to understand or think about, we actually really did a thought exercise trying to understand, you know, how would 
virtual reality and simulation, you know, be made in the future? What would be the logical approaches? And at that time, you know, very difficult to do because there were no tools, you know, that supported any of this stuff. But we had realized early on that, you know, to create a flawless simulation of reality of the world and all of that, you needed to essentially source reality. You needed to capture the world. You needed to be able to learn from the world in order to simulate it. And so we, we did begin with first of kind techniques, I think, um, in, in just that we were trying to understand how do I volumetrically, you know, uh, you know, create a, a, a real performance, a person, um, not just synthesize it with computer graphics alone, but actually acquire it, acquire the world. So we started getting into this computational photography, early stuff, and across the years, uh, I feel that, you know, work, not just at that work, but work in universities, work in, in uh, industry, uh, government, you know, military, DARPA, there's been a lot of uh, building blocks have been put together across these decades that have brought us to this point where it is uh, very uh, uh, plausible now to acquire a phenomenal high fidelity, even dynamic captures of the world and people. And yet it's still not, it's still not brought together quite. Uh, the, the building blocks are definitely there and there's people, you know, sort of experimenting here and there. Um, so we're, we're still verging actually on, you know, stepping into a uh, convincing, believable simulation of reality, but it's, it's getting close. And so, you know, the, you know, all the other building blocks are just figuring out how, you know, the, uh, a person can, you know, use their senses to take in this synthetic media convincingly. And of course, the human perception system is like still far exceeds what technology, you know, we can uh, match it to, but, but we progress towards that. And so we, we do have, you know, the beginning of feeling, you know, uh, this simulation. Um, I'm interested in uh, the possibilities of not just, I mean, there's a lot of R's now. XR covers a lot of R's. There's an augmented reality R, there's a mixed reality R, virtual reality R. In truth, it's like a spectrum. So if reality is zero and it's pure, um, you add one tiny augmented something to it, right? And then you just run along the scale, adding more and more, right? Let's say in mixed reality, you're adding more and more elements. Uh, in truth, you could, you know, with, you know, uh, very good machine vision and other sensing, you can slowly but surely map onto even any physical surface or object eventually, if you wanted to just essentially skin everything in uh, your room, you will be able to do that. People are already experimenting with that uh, to the point. So then you go, you know, you run down the spectrum to the point where you're like, oh, I'm completely immersed in a virtual depiction. That version I'm talking 
about right now actually includes haptics, meaning you can touch it too because you've wrapped your room. But you know, other people are just straight, straight VR where there is no room wrapping. But you can get to this like 100% place, you're fully immersed VR as we know it today. Then you can do other interesting things like, okay, I'm in a 100% virtual space and hey, maybe I just want to let the real person that I, that's actually standing in front of me stay inside. So now you've kind of like, you've gone past 100%, you start bringing, <laughs> you start bringing in elements of reality into the hundred percent. You, you can actually almost go over the line. It's like an 11, it's like a spinal tap 11 thing. And then you can start doing that. At any rate, it's a spectrum. And uh, people um, just like film and, you know, it's limitless what people will use their imaginations to do with it. Uh, and as far as the, you know, minus machine thing, um, a lot of this stuff is over time, it is going to become to some degree automated. So there will be, there will be like machines in the mix to make it efficient. And then there'll be machines in the mix to, you know, not all things, not all things are going to be, you know, curated and made by, you know, human hands. There already a lot of uh, procedural content generation is is everywhere in the in the making of the the media that we do you're listening to the future of film podcast with me alex stoltz i'm in conversation with academy award-winning designer john gator if you're enjoying the show and you want to find out more you can do all of this at futureoffilm.live check out previous episodes and get in touch i'd love to hear from you One thing more about the uh, virtual reality thing. Mm. Um, so it isn't necessarily the case uh, that in virtual reality or mixed reality that it is the same vessel, the same canvas as film or television, passive 2D uh, media when it comes to the grammar of storytelling. I mean, once you eliminate cinematography as in controlled perspective and edit editing, right? Which are languages um, that amazingly uh, human beings have been able to intuitively take, take up, uh, not unlike a child being able to learn, you know, any language at a young age, uh, kids understand people of any age can look at if you had if you had gone before the uh, beginning of cinema and editing and all of that stuff and said, hey, in the future, we're going to have this like scattershot assembly of, you know what I mean, images that like flash at you and change. A person might have thought, well, that would be the most confusing, disorienting thing. I couldn't possibly imagine. Right. Uh, being able to understand that would seem alien. And yet it turns out that we can, even a child, even a young child can understand the grammar of editing and cinematography and even like understand the messaging uh, going on there. So that has turned out to be a, a perfect medium. It's in a sense a sculpture. I, I, I think of film 
and television, even, you know, literature as well. It's, it's essentially a, a sculpture. It's like been made, it's fixed. Right. Um, but when you're talking about mixed reality and virtual reality, that is, ex that is more of an experiential uh, canvas. It's, not, uh, it's, it's not the same in any way. And here's another sort of point I would make about it. So if I'm a storyteller or a writer or a director and you know, I'm beginning at zero, I don't have the story yet, right? I'm just a person and I am living in the world and I have my life experiences and I observe things in the world and whatever, whatever, the elemental soup that goes into the conception of the story that someone wants to write and eventually, you know, commit to uh, medium through performance, whatever. So there's this process of just like being in reality, right? <laughs> Processing whatever it is that's of interest to you, right? Putting it to words, right? And then executing it so that it becomes this piece of art on, you know, uh, media. So, that's what reality, reality's uh, role in that process is to be the input, right? That got that to come out of a person's imagination. Mixed reality and virtual reality are cousins of this. They're not necessarily the theater or the canvas. They can be, you know, and you can absolutely manifest things there, but they could also be looked at as the source. And because if you, uh, for example, go and spend, if you're, let's say we're a little older now, so our way of life is to some degree baked. We don't have a life where we spend time in world, in immersive worlds all day and night, or, you know, like gaming would be the first version of kids spending hours and hours and hours in immersive worlds. Uh, virtual reality and mixed reality when it becomes ubiquitous and super simple everyone does it because they can just put it on their you know, put on their their uh, sunglasses whatever it is and it's no effort whatsoever um you know you, there'll be a whole generation that will grow up like that so i would say roughly by the end of this decade it will be accessible Right. Economically, uh, platforms will work, will be working. Um, a lot of things will come together such that the generation of kids at that point could, if they chose to, uh, spend a lot of time immersed. Right. Even in small amounts uh, somewhere along the spectrum, but they'll be doing it. Right. So then they're living this life where their version of reality is this mixture of things. Right. It's like got fantastical things intermingled with the real world. It's got occasional moments, potentially hours a day where they just, you know, go all the way and they're in world for a while. They're with their friends and that's their way of life. And so imagine then that generation and the writers and the storytellers that come out of that. Because they'll tell stories, too. They may do it in a slightly different way. Maybe some will stick with linear passive, but others will will tell stories by essentially, and they will also have effortless tools where they don't have to know much, right? It'll be like alchemy, very simple to do, like smelting in Minecraft, right? Like putting chemicals together and, and materials together. Um, 
but they'll be able to create very quickly um, scenarios that other people can step into and experience. You know, essentially simulations, they can be fantastic. Um, they can be anything. So it'll be like the art of creating a, a scenario for a person to step into. And then where's the story? Okay, so the story is you're in virtual reality or you're in a uh, mixed reality construct, which is part real world, part elements of many things. And what happens to you along the, the course, right, of your time there, right? What, you know, if the simulation is made to have certain things come to you, address you or not, maybe you're just like sort of walking through the expository surrounds of something else. But the story is what happened to you. Like when you get done with that and you went through that whole thread and then you look back, right? That is what the story is or what happened to them or what happened to us. Those are the stories. And uh, that's one version of story. The other version is someone comes out, right? And they, someone comes out and now they've got a, a, a mind full of memories, which are these sort of, these constructs, these mixtures. And if they're doing it all the time, it's going to affect their imagination, no doubt. It's going to affect the way they think of things. So there will be new form story that will come out of people who are spending a lot of time. So we're already seeing a lot of stories that are being influenced by people, uh, you know, our, like, like ourselves, our lives today living with social platforms, social networks, this new form of communication that is now the dominant connective thread um, is affecting the way people are telling stories. It's even affecting the sort of the grammar and form of editing and perspective in traditional media. So that we're in this phase, right? We're in this sort of social network now affecting storytelling phase. We're gonna move towards immersive and interactive, you know, coexistence affecting storytelling. That will be, I think, the next phase. I mean, we're listen listening to you there. I mean, it sounds, it just sounds incredible. It's incredibly transformative, this <laughs> transformation. That's, uh, that doesn't make, doesn't sound so great, but incredibly just uh, seismic, I guess, this transformation um, in terms of how people are going to think about story what do you think there's still going to be a space for the the sculptural form of yeah. film yeah it's super powerful i the one thing i couldn't one thing i'm not sure of is it's that generational thing right so we've grown up from children to now um understanding you know this you know it's part of our lives right it's part of our thoughts and i will do that to my last days right the the thing that and a that and actually i mean anyone i think anyone would agree we're in a golden age of storytelling right now with what's happening in in television for lack of a better way to put it it's amazing um it's not going anywhere. It's like, it's becoming more and more perfected, uh, actually. Um, 
So it's a golden age, actually. But the question is, is it a golden age forever? Is it a golden age for our generation or the generations that grew up with it? And what I can't be sure of is what's coming, what the next generations, because we know that whilst there is remarkably amazing storytelling and work happening, there is also a giant trend where younger folks are spending less time doing that and they're peeling off and staying inside immersed worlds and gaming and all of that stuff. They want to, it's, it's social, it's, it's befitting, you know what I mean, of the age and all that stuff, but it is where it used to, might've been, it was very different for us at that age. We, we would have just had another our age appropriate, you know, story content, you know, whether it's comic books or whatever. So there is a golden age of television and storytelling, mm-hmm. a waning age of, for film and cinema and theaters, no doubt, especially <laughs> what will happen now that we're in the middle of a, a pandemic and nobody has any idea uh, whether physical theaters are going to make it out the other side in any great measure bit of a forcing function that that is a uh, also a becoming a not a a social norm any longer uh, to gather in theaters uh it's fun to do but um it is kind of going the way of the dinosaur i know that will make a lot of people upset nothing is more cool and exciting to be in a cool in a great grand theater uh, with people in a in a in a big screening you know when you can get into theaters like that i live near san francisco we have a couple of spectacular theaters we go to film festivals uh and it is the best um but it's you know i aim for like the experience version of a theater now if i'm going to come out and go to the theater and actually i hope maybe maybe if anything there's going to pr- probably be an age where theaters are, there's going to be less theaters, but hopefully the theaters that that stand are thinking more about the full experience and becomes a lot more than just piggy paying a ticket and seeing something on a widescreen. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to take mixed reality glasses and uh, in about five years and make an IMAX scale screen in your backyard you'll get everything you want. The question is, do you want to do that with others somewhere? Uh, I hope so, but you know, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I would say it's going to be a rough sledding for a bit. Anyway, the point, the point about the golden age of television and storytelling right now, squarely aimed at our generation who grew up with that, it's it's uh it's exciting for younger generations that are starting to peel away and spend many many more hours in interactive in gaming social networking all of this uh there 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 are great drains of the audience you know there are lots of people leaving you know the uh story traditional storytelling to spend more hours doing that so, but they do like worlds and they do want their worlds to be rich and the worlds are very well informed and or authenticated by having a, a great story that basically allows them to understand 
what, what, what's relevant about them, what's, what's important, uh, what can happen, all that. So storytelling and worlds actually remain, you know, they are one and the same. And so there's something very important there to think about in these years coming insofar as, you know, what has been the case all the way up into now, which is to me a little frustrating, is that an enormous amount of effort to essentially create a world that is essentially the backdrop of a great story on passive media. And I'll consume that passive media. And then, you know, the world essentially, you know, just stays baked and that is, it just sort of stays in that container. And I can't necessarily do more with that unless of course we change the way that we acquire that world or make that world in the service of that creating that story as well. And what I mean by that is it may seem, you know, it is going to be the case that, you know, in these years coming, there's going to be different methods of building the backdrops, actually acquiring shooting that will make it possible for people to go into the locations and destinations uh, that these stories are playing out in front of and intertwined within. It seems a little crude now, but so did, if you, if you go back to when computer graphics first became, you know, elements within a movie, in the beginning it was very crude. You know, there was very, the, the tools were not refined. Um, you know, you would, it would almost be noticed as a bump in a film where it's like beautiful photography, beautiful photography, eh, you know, some attempt at some computer graphic of what, and it was, it was not, um, you know, it was not seamless in the beginning, you know, fast forward to today, we can nearly make a fully photorealistic, you know, uh, film from beginning to end with those tools and often fool the viewer entirely. So imagine we're kind of at that beginning, that bumpy beginning again, where the uh, backdrops and the elements within a story, you know, might be, for example, not made with the now super advanced uh, visual effects type tools and digital tools. They're now being made with interactive game engine tools and game the word game engine or game that is in in and of itself becoming uh a, a not not a comprehensive enough term for what these engines are actually going to be and do and they are going to be in service of many things not just games they're going to be in service to any and all industries education, uh, entertainment, uh, in the construction of real-time, uh, you know, uh, media simulation. And where I'm going with this is that we will start making movies and TV shows and other kinds of media in a way where there's one version of the media that is linear, passive. We take it in as we do but the very same media, one would be able to just essentially go past the foreground sculpture of that story 
into that world. And that world um, wouldn't be just, you know, a sort of fixed uh, thing. It would be a dynamic place where if built correctly, people could spend a lot of time there, you know, in a sort of social immersive destination based on the theme of that universe. So I think that there's going to be a unification where, you know, you see essentially filmmaking happening in immersive worlds and you just like output one particular type of media. Uh, but for those uh, that want to be, you know, interacting and want more, they can do that too. And so, so right now it seems like two different types of media, like most the easiest way to say is like the visual quality of one is very different from the other. But as we get into methods of capturing even actors and performers ourselves, right? So we're now doing volumetric recording, right? We're doing captures of sets. We're kind of blending those techniques of digital art direction and set making. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to bring that all together <clears throat> to the point where we're going to be able to have portals between the passive 2D and the immersive 3D exploration play and, you know, social, you know, living. Li Some people spend many hours inside their favorite universes, you know, and sometimes you'll give you'll get the, the story sculptures will drop in. But, you know, the rest of the activity will be like, you know, playing, hanging out immersing etc wow so the so the source code will kind of be the same as, yeah. as, as, as you, to put it that way for for all of these different forms and 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 also what you're saying is at the moment you can tell a tell the difference between the marvel you know the marvel movie and the marvel game you know there's a, a difference you're, you're saying there will be a point where there isn't going to be a difference <laughs> uh, and it's not because the marvel movie is going to get worse it's you know everything else is going to rise to that level yeah. and beyond so then it's all about so then what's going to distinguish the film or the the, the story i guess it's well you know storytellers is like you know when we sit and we're told a story, it's like, it's, it's crafted, it's curated, you know, it's guided for you. And a great storyteller can do it far better than you could ever imagine, or you, in ways you're not gonna expect the twists and turns and all of that. Um, and we want that, we need that. We need people who are, you know, sort of uh, gifted in that way. Uh, and so I don't think there's ever, there's going to be any displacement of the role of the storyteller. What I'm suggesting though, is that the worlds that we build and the way that we sort of get the components, you know, it may seem like a far away type of idea, but, you know, look at how advanced camera systems are now. Look at, we have cars that drive themselves, et cetera, and so forth. Just try to, Put yourself in a mindset where you're like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, really not that far away, right? In terms of, uh, you know, 
the, the change that's coming. And so what seems clunky today, what seems like two things today actually is going to become frictionless. It's going to become ubiquitous and we are going to be able to join these two mediums, you know, that are seen, we're going to join not two, but a multitude of mediums are going to come together. Then you get other crazy stuff you could get into, which is like, uh, you know, procedural uh, and automated generation of, of things too. So I want a Western world that operates every day. I want like events that happen that like we see in Westworld, right? The idea of Westworld is not 100% science fiction <laughs> if you 20, 30 years from now. I could easily imagine, not even 20, 30, in like in a decade, I believe that you could have something that looks precisely what we see in those scenes, the life of the Western town, looking as flawless as that, uh, as something we can step through and an experience in the way that they're depicting, maybe 10 to 20, but it's, it is absolutely coming together. It's fascinating. Uh, but with, in, with all these changes on the horizon, what would you, what's your recommendation to, to a storyteller starting out, you know, an emerging storyteller, what would you say they should focus on at this time? Oh gosh. I mean, that's such a personal question. Um, I think they should think about their audience. Uh, they should think about who they hope to be on the receiving end of this story. And if they could imagine what their, what their lives might be like and how they might access this story, you know, uh, that you're, you're, you're conceiving, I think that's the most important thing for us to all take note of is the changing uh, lives of the audiences. And so how do we get to them? Where are they actually? And how do things reach them? And to try to not think about it as in a really contrived commercial tactical business way, right? Like, oh, you know, distribution channels, old media, new media. I think, I think you have to think about the actual people that you feel that this, maybe you don't know where your audience is yet. Maybe you're just, you're writing it, um, you know, from the heart as all storytellers, you know, of, of worth do, but um, I would think, I would just try to factor that. And John, I mean, you've, you've covered a lot in terms of the future and thinking about the future of film. Did you have any, are you optimistic about the future of film? Very. I think it's, well, okay, use the word film. <laughs> I don't know what that means. If you're talking about a container that's two plus hours, I don't know about that. But if you're talking about, you know, storytelling, you know, 
Uh, it's you're right to focus it that way, right? You're you're because that is the const that's the constant that's going to just push into all these different media types. I'm super optimistic. I know we talked started to talk a little bit with like I don't know. I'm always also trying to be eyes wide open about what's going on around us. Everything is a double edged sword. These uh, incredible platforms and new capabilities that humans now and humans being aided by machines, AI, right, are putting together are going to potentially lead to a whole new plateau of imagination, a whole new plateau of um, human ability to conceive things, invent things, but they are fraught with danger. So the answer to that question is as much uh, positive and wondrous evolution as there is concerning dark corners to watch out for. Because, you know, I might uh, go this way and we see what, you know, Walt Disney 21st century, right, could be not the company, but like the thinking that Walt Disney had put out, that transcendent thinking, that's a direction. But then there's another direction that is like the dark side direction where you could potentially lose people in a dark place and you can have the absolute opposite effect. You could do the worst um, for uh, for new generations. So I think it's very important to be aware of both, to fight the dark. It's a noble fight. Take down uh, the uh, systems that are um, working to take away your freedom of expression. Maintain the systems that allow for positive expression into these new mediums to come. So that was my conversation with John Gator recorded earlier in 2020. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this show. If you want to find out more about John or any of the other guests, you can do all of that at futureoffilm.live. There's also the Future of Film Report, the Rebels of Storytelling series, and of course, the Future of Film Summit with Jason Blum keynoting. I hope you are able to join us next month for that. But in the meantime, thanks again and hope to see you again soon.